You are listening to the Extraordinary Events Podcast with Dr. K, episode number 43. Welcome to the Extraordinary Events Podcast, where we aim to educate, inspire, and empower individuals who wish to design transformational experiences. Now, your host, event education champion, Dr. Kristen Mallet. Hello, hello. We have just such an extra special podcast today. I am so excited. If you've been following the podcast for a while, you know that on Tuesdays we do event planning and event design tips and tricks and career, logistics, design, all kinds of advice, life advice, passion, all of the things on Tuesdays. And then on Thursdays, we alternate between student-created podcast, Future Leaders, and we also alternate with an industry spotlight. And so today, we have an industry spotlight on our podcast. Today's guest is actually not an event planner or event designer or an affiliated event on the back-end industry, but we actually have a performer on the podcast today. We have Dan Chan, the magic man, though he goes by many other different titles, master magician, but he is someone that event planners would actually hire to have at their events. And I thought that this would be super interesting to have as a topic on the podcast, because when you think about magic, you tend to think about in-person live events And yet magic, magic shows, magic acts have been quite successful online with this pivot to virtual. Well, Dan, I just want to thank you for joining us today. I will actually shut up and I will let you introduce yourself to all of our amazing listeners. Thank you, Kristen. Well, I have been dubbed by a BuzzFeed Silicon Valley's favorite magician. I was recently featured on Business Insider twice. And we've been featured in Voyage LA, CNBC twice as well. I love it. So Dan, we have a lot of people on our podcast, our amazing podcast listeners who are just super into experience design and event design and event planning, logistics, marketing, all of it. So you come from a very unique perspective because you are the people that we would hire. You are a magician. You are a performer and an act. Tell us a little bit about how the pandemic has impacted your work in terms of events. In one week, I lost $8,000 of cancellations and I had to repivot and uh, figure out what I was going to do. I created this home studio with a full backdrop and sound and lighting. Um, Since the beginning of March, uh, we are now on December 14th. I've done over 200 virtual events. In fact, I've done events where I've done two in a day for Google. Some days I've done up to 11 events in one day. And what size are those events? Are we talking like five, 10 people? Are we talking thousands of people? What's that range? The average right now is about 60 to 100, but I've done events where it was broadcast out to thousands of people. Some of those videos live on Facebook or other places where um, we've had event sponsors like banks or um, playgrounds or other things sponsor us. And those views have like 20,000 views on them now. 
you know, just coming from a perspective of I'm an event planner, I hire a magician, a magician comes, they put on acts and my attendees are oohed and odd. So now I'm sitting here and I'm thinking in a virtual aspect, right? You're a box on a screen. Can you share with our amazing listeners of maybe how you've shifted some of your acts or, or what that looks like and types of your audience engagement. You know, you don't typically think of magicians online. So tell us a little bit about what you do or how that's set up. Yeah, there's a lot of advantages of being virtual. For example, I can not forget someone's name. If I'm choosing lots of people in a large environment, I can come back to them and immediately build rapport uh, saying, hey, Kristen, uh, I can unmute and unmute people. There's so many things that we can do. Uh, there's no dead time, for example, asking someone, can you come on stage? And there's that awkward silence. I used to have this run-up music just to fill in that time. And that time is awkward. Now it just happens really quick. Um, the effects are quick and small tricks now play big. So you can have this intimacy so you have those advantages. And with this virtual environment, I think magic works just as well, if not better in this environment. That's so good to hear that. It's still living and thriving. Uh, a lot of people don't know. I, I just found this out that Zoom updates have actually incorporated magician feedback. So what have you seen that's been working really, really well? And talk about your stream deck, because I think uh, event planners would find that really, really interesting. Yeah, so uh, with Stream Deck, it's built by Elgato. With the one push of a button, I can actually have um, intro text play through. So everything is kind of like uh, pre-recorded, typed in. One button push, the music turns on, and it also fades out. Uh, there's many, many other things that you can do uh, on uh, Stream Deck. For example, when I'm done with my show, if this is a directly booked show, I can hit this Yelp review and it will say, thank you very much for attending. Please go online. And since they're already on their computer, they're more inclined to give me a review versus me only asking the event planner. I've been able to garner 10 or 15 reviews sometimes out of one show when there's a thousand people there. Do you find that a lot of the events are using the Zoom platform or is it really just kind of everywhere across a lot of different variety of platforms? I've been on Hopin, I've been on, uh, I've heard of Remo, I've, been, I've done a lot of demos for all these different ones. The problem is I've seen events where the first day they have this cool splash page and it looks great, but the capacity could not hold it and we had to go to Zoom the next day. So you, you have to be weird no matter what. You might have this slick sales guy telling you this is so great, but if they're new and not scalable, uh, you may run into problems. I am always telling people that they're like, oh, Kristen, check out this super awesome thing. And I'm like, you know, it's so different in a one-on-one -on -one demo with the salesperson than when you have a thousand people on the platform and it lags and it's, it's just not very good. So it's really interesting to hear your experience on that as well. Tell us some of the fails. We love that. We always learn more from failures than from the strengths. Tell us like your number one horror story on virtual. Nobody's going to hold anything against you. Just to let us learn from you and, and, and tell us something that sticks out in your mind over the past six months. Okay. It was well before that six months because I had a reporter from The Hustle. So if you look The Hustle, Dan Chan, 
you'll find this story about where I got Zoomed bomb. But to my credit, it was only for one reporter who invited his friends. So it was through him inviting people that things leaked. I learned, first of all, to lock down the meetings to enable waiting room and also make sure people are sharing their videos so we can see who it is where I can take a screenshot. Zoom is really, really good because you can report people. There's so many things that they have taken proactively and people are still haunted by that. I'm haunted in a good way because I, I took a lot of preparation. I can end the meeting and I can leave the meeting real quick. I can also disable screen share and disable chats before larger meetings or public meetings. So it's really important to ask people, if you were Zoom bombed, what would you do? And maybe even run through a scenario like that in a public environment. For me, I was covering my son's eyes while he was trying to shut everything down because at that time he knew Zoom better than me. They included that in the hustle article about us, but rest assured, I've never been Zoom bombed since. And I've done over 200 shows. And I think that was within the first 20 shows. You always hear the stories of people being Zoom bombed and Zoom bombing is, is such a thing. I know in education, it's always people are going to come on and Zoom bomb and you wonder if it actually happens to anyone. And so it's unfortunate that it happened to you, but it's good that it hasn't happened since. So for meeting planners, you know, we are people that love to plan face-to-face. We find a lot of value in face-to-face and that engagement. And there's a lot of people who have not liked pivoting online. Uh, There's been a lot of people that have embraced it, but a lot of people that are just kind of counting down the minutes or choosing to retire early. (laughs) And so for you as a professional entertainer going forward into the future, what's your strategy? What are you hoping for in the future? Are you just pining for the days of face-to-face? Are you enjoying online? What does your future hold? I'm hoping that people talk about these events and I believe that they're going to start having me kick off mornings and ending Friday meetings with events on Zoom. And they are starting to realize that this works and it's good entertainment. Often there's a cost savings associated with it, but I actually honestly think that I'll be charging more or just as much in the live environment. And I don't have to drive one hour to there, one hour back, and I'm back booking things back to back. So this is a really great time because I've done shows with people in Singapore, Europe. I've had East and West Coast teams, U.S. and India teams. And there's a lot of value to be given when you're doing entertainment for teams that aren't getting together and you're having something fun like this. So we talk about how event planners, event professionals have had to kind of pivot their skill sets. They've had to learn entirely new, I'm going to say acts for being online. Have you felt like you've had to come up with completely new acts for your show? Are you still using acts in person that you're just pivoting or did you generate totally new acts for the online environment? Um, 75% at least I think were new. And I like that because once they see me in a virtual environment, they can hire me in a live environment and have something different, right? You want a similar texture, at least the character be the same, but it's kind of like when you're watching a Marvel movie or anything else, there's a sequel or a prequel. And there's certain things that I can do better in a virtual environment that I leverage. And then when a live environment, I have to leverage what's live, the connection. For example, when I'm doing live, I might do something like pickpocketing or have cards meld together and I can hand them that card. And I've had people tell me, oh, I still have that card from 10 years ago. But you're giving them a physical object in a live environment. 
So I'm not going to pick your pockets, obviously, when I'm virtual, but I may hack your ATM pin code or have a made up pin code. I know that we've had corporate events be really scared about giving personal information. Someone said, oh, Dan got your pin code. Well, in smaller family groups, I actually do the pin code reveal. But for a larger corporate events, I just say, go ahead and I'd like you to think of a pin code or make up a pin code. So that, that way people don't feel as, um, as risky because I know with corporate events, they're very, very risk averse. Do you find that the majority of your events are more corporate or is it just kind of all over the board? Since the beginning of the pandemic, I think we've done 90% corporate events, especially uh, like a month like December, 90% is a very conservative mm -hmm. estimate. So for all of the listeners, if you had like one tip or trick or something that you feel from a performer aspect that event planners should know or just advice that you would give them for the future, what would that be? A reminder email before everything starts, 24 hours before it starts, because um, if you're in Australia, people have, might have time zones mix up. Uh, reconfirming that time is really important. I've had an event planner give me the wrong time because they had miscommunication. And when it's, once everything happened, I said, hey, just confirming we're going to be on in three hours. And they're like, no, we're on very soon. And I'm like, I'm there. Don't assume the time zones really double check and send reminders. Say, hey, I'm going to be on in half an hour or an hour, depending on where you're at or three hours before. So if I'm working with India or UK or Australia, I'm always going to say, hey, I'm going to see you in 24 hours. But if I'm working within the States, I'm going to say, I'm going to see you within three hours or four hours. And that will help. Well, and I also love that you're just such a go-getter. I have been running these free Friday webinars for engagement, virtual engagement. You attended some of those. You reached out to me like, hey, let's connect. And I think there's a lot of value in that. And I don't think a lot of people do that. I think a lot of people tend to be a little bit more passive in their continuing education or improvement, but then also in marketing opportunities, people aren't actively going out and seeking those. And so I know that I've loved connecting with you and, and our interaction so far. So anything else that our amazing podcast listeners should know about today um, before we sign off? Video first strategies are really big. Um, Instagram is all on video, YouTube, you can get a good feel of things, but also with video, there's things that you can edit and people can uh, cheat video. So also ask for a full length presentation as well. Um, I think with magic, I tell people when they're booking me, once you're sure that you're gonna book me, don't watch the rest of the full length video. I'm ha more than happy to provide it for event planners and qualified people, but there are spoilers in it. So I want you to experience it with the rest of your group. I want you to be in that moment versus you look trying to look one step ahead because when you're watching it the second time, you're looking around the corner to see what's happening, which makes it a little bit less interesting. But <laughs> Some people like figuring it out and I'm not going to stop that because that's how I was and that's how I became a magician, but there's two perspectives to look at it. So either way, you're going to have a great time when you consider some virtual entertainment and always call for a, a demo, whether it's me or any other magician, they should be able to squeeze time out of their busy day just to squeeze out a demo and talk to you. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on our podcast today. I hope everyone goes and looks you up and I will post all of the links in the podcast show notes below. So thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Kristen. Thank you for listening to the Extraordinary Events Podcast. Stay tuned for our next episode.